Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast. As we enter Thanksgiving week and week 12 on the NFL schedule. And every time we get to this time of the year, it signifies that division and playoff races are heating up. And this is when it gets real. Joining us on today's podcast, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and truly giving, is the Arizona Cardinals veteran offensive tackle, Kelvin Beecham, who's given more of himself than just about any player in the National Football League. He's a five-time NFLPA Community MVP winner. This year, he donated $5,000 and partnered with Verizon to feed 200 families from Eisenhower Center for Innovation. He has kicked off an enrichment series to help educate 7th and 8th grade students on financial literacy, mental health, entrepreneurship. And he also, in December, next month, is hosting 30 high school students for a visit to the United Aviate Academy to learn about their pilot program. Kelvin Beecham always giving back. We are thankful for Kevin... Kelvin Beecham and his contributions, and it is why we will bring him on to this podcast today as we head into such a busy time of the year. And think about this, amazing. I looked on the ESPN schedule the other day and realized that I'm not on the television schedule Thursday. And I began thinking and mulling that this is the first time I don't have any direct TV or newspaper responsibilities on Thanksgiving Day in over 30 years, 30 years. So on Thanksgiving morning, if I want to sleep in, I don't know how late I could do that anyway, but if I want to sleep in, we can do that. And I'm not the only one that will have an unusual, different type of Thanksgiving, different than we're accustomed to having. But Michelle Beisner-Buck, our colleague on Monday Night Countdown, pointed out to me in Mexico City, on Monday night before the 49ers Cardinals game, that her husband, Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman will be home on Thanksgiving for the first time in over 20 years. So Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be home. I don't have to go on TV that morning. It's a different kind of Thanksgiving, and we're thankful to have a day to be with our family, our friends, our loved ones, and to sit back and reflect on all the reasons that we are all thankful. As we look ahead to Thanksgiving Day, some great matchups. The Bills and the Lions, the resurgent Lions, coming off their three-game winning streak. They've lost five straight Thanksgiving games. They haven't won on Thanksgiving since 2016 against the Vikings. Last year, they lost to the Bears. And they're playing against Josh Allen, who's 3-0 on Thursdays in his career, who's won twice on Thanksgiving. But Dan Campbell, has the Fighting Lions revved up and ready to go. It would be fun to see if Detroit can respond to its biggest challenge in the past month. The Giants-Cowboys, the middle sandwich layer of Thanksgiving Day. Great matchup there. Cowboys rolling along. First Thanksgiving Day matchup between the Giants and Cowboys since 1992. And for those of you who don't remember that game, the Cowboys won 30-3 when Emmett Smith piled up 161 yards and two touchdowns that day. Now, keep in mind here, Cowboys have lost three straight Thanksgiving games. We're used to seeing Dallas win on Thanksgiving Day unless Leonel Lett decides to accidentally touch the football, but they've struggled on Thanksgiving Day. Cowboys beat the Giants in week three. We're at that game. 
at MetLife Stadium, Monday night game. And they are 10-1 and versus the Giants since 2017. The last time the Giants went in Dallas was the opener of the 2016 season. Been a long time for the Giants. We'll see what they can do. And then the nightcap on Thursday night. Patriots-Vikings as the Vikings try to rebound from that embarrassing loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, that exposed them a little bit. And I'm sure they're going to be looking for a little bit of payback against a Patriots team playing on Thanksgiving for the first time since 2012 when they beat the Jets 49-19 in a game that's remembered for what? The butt fumble, which happened 10 years ago on Tuesday. Amazing that 10 years can go by. Think about how many times we've seen replays of that butt fumble from Mark Sanchez, the Patriots back in action on Thanksgiving. They're not hoping for. We'll see if Kirk Cousins can avoid a butt fumble on that day. And then we go on to the weekend. Sunday, we heard the Jets head coach Robert Sala open the door on Monday to the idea of benching former number two overall pick Zach Wilson. Now, here's the interesting part about that. Once you open the door, especially in New York, how do you close it? And so that question is going to be out there, even if he sticks with Zach Wilson, which I don't think you do that if you raise that question. If you're going to stick with your guy, you want to support the guy, be behind the guy, despite the fact that the players in the locker room were disappointed in what he said after the game when he said he didn't deserve the blame. And then he said, hey, certain receivers have screwed up certain plays. I've screwed up certain plays. We've all screwed up certain plays. Here's the thing. As a player, especially as a quarterback, you always want to take the blame, even if you don't believe it. You take the blame. And a quarterback on a team that's played pretty good football, you have to do that. And he didn't. And now Robert Sala is left with a decision as we tape this midday Tuesday. My guess is you can't say what he did and then not bench Zach Wilson. And even if he plays Zach Wilson, it's probably a short leash. So my guess is we'll see a different quarterback going up against the Chicago Bears and whether or not we see Justin Fields, who's got the left shoulder injury, who went after the Jets picked Zach Wilson at number two in the same draft. So that Bears-Jets game on Thanksgiving week, which ordinarily would draw yawns, really is one of the most intriguing matchups of the entire weekend. I don't know that there's really a game that's much better on the schedule the rest of the weekend. Packers-Eagles Sunday night, not really. We had the Steelers-Colts Monday night, not really. We got some great Thanksgiving football. We got the Bears and the Jets on Sunday. And really, that's the highlights of Week 12, and we will see how it all unfolds this week. But we go back to Thanksgiving for all we are thankful for. We are thankful for all the time that Kelvin Beecham gave us for all the time he gives to his community, for all the people he serves and helps. The Arizona Cardinals veteran offensive tackle, a champ of a man, Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin. What's going on, brother? How you doing? How are you doing? Doing well. You in the facility already? Already, man. What time do you get there? I usually get in about 5.30. Every single day. Wow, that's impressive. How come you have to get in at 5.30? Uh, I'm an early bird, man. I've always been that way. What made you that way? Uh, I've been this way ever since I was uh, a young player in college. Man, I had a, a guy by the name of Dominique. Um, 
was one of my coaches at SMU. And he was like, man, if you want to play in the league for a long time, man, be the first one in. So he was like, come in and cut the lights off. Uh, so sometimes I'm in early enough to cut the lights off. But all in all, man, I just think it just sets the foundation for, you know, just getting the body ready to practice. Good for you. So you're there 530 in the morning. Are you the last one to leave there also, Kelvin? No, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. You're not that guy. Not that guy. But I, I, I'm in pretty early now. I don't beat Cliff in, but uh, I get in pretty early. Who else joins you in the morning at that time of the day? Who else is who else is an early bird like you and Cliff Kingsbury? Um, so uh, Dorch, which is one of our, our receivers, who I like, Dorch, yeah, yeah, who I love, man. Uh, Rodney Hudson is usually in. I mean, he's he's banged up right now, but he's in pretty early as well. Um, but it's a couple guys. It's a couple guys that hit that that early morning crew to try to get things going pretty early. And we're taping this on Friday, and we're going to air it next week. So we're both getting ready to go to Mexico City. Yeah. I'm just curious. This will air after that. How you feel about that trip? Man, I'm excited for it. You know, I know it comes with a, a lot of other uh, circumstances that are external. You know, the elevation, the smog, um, you know, the long walk, apparently, that we have to from the field to the locker room. But all in all, I'm excited for it. You know, I'm excited for everything that comes along with playing in the international game. This will be the second time that I played in the international game. Well, third time that I played in the international game. So really excited about it. What were the first two? London. Uh, so I played in London in 2014, 2013-2014 uh, against the Vikings. And then again with the Jaguars, played the, the Colts. How do you like that London experience? It was amazing. It was amazing, man. Uh, I actually went to London this offseason. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a location that I enjoy stopping by, stopping through, making sure that, uh, you know, that's just another spot that the NFL has started to plan a flight. All right, let's get to why I brought you on today and this week. And that is because it is Thanksgiving week and you yeah. do as much good, more good than just about anybody in the National Football League. Last week, you started a three-part enrichment series with your former teammate, Lorenzo Alexander, at Sullen Elementary, where you're speaking to 7th and 8th grade students about life skills once a month from November through January, topics ranging from financial literacy to mental health and identity to entrepreneurship, respectively. What made you do this? And what are you teaching? Let's hear more about what you're teaching them. Oh, man, so Zoe is, you know, Lorenzo Alexander, somebody I played against for a number of years. Um, and, you know, he's played for the Cardinals back in the day. You know, he played 15 years. And, um, man, we just wanted to find a way to go do something, uh, you know, in the inner city. Uh, it wasn't about, um, you know, can we bring something there for a couple of days or can we bring something there for an hour? But, like, how do we really sew in and pour into these young people? Uh, so kind of, you know, started thinking about ways in which to, to pour into them. So thought about financial literacy. And that's something that young people don't talk about uh, a lot in schools. Um, you know, start talking about mental health and identity and what that looks like, you know, on a daily basis, considering some of the challenges that they're going through. Then entrepreneurship. Um, and I think the biggest thing is we wanted to make sure that these young people could relate to us. Uh, in a lot of instances, we came from very similar backgrounds, very similar socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm -hmm parents that struggled and, 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 you know, young people that struggle, you know, and, and it was uh, not only challenging, but also eye opening uh, for some of these young people to hear that, you know, yes, we've made good money playing football, but we came from very, very, very similar backgrounds to you all. Um, so it was something that we wanted to do, something that we're, you know, you know, put, put a lot of effort into and started the first one this past week, got another one coming up in early December uh, and then going to cap it off in, uh, in January, you know, right at the, at the end of the season. What is the financial literacy lesson 
that you try to impart to them, Kelvin? Yeah, so for one, you know, our first conversation was the relationship to money, relationship to cash, what cash really meant, um, the conversations around having a bank account. I mean, in seventh grade and eighth grade, you know, it's just a different society. You need to be thinking about, you know, what is it like to have a bank account? What is it like to have a checking account? Um, and, and really thinking about what that money really sounds like, really feels like, you know, did examples of, hey, you got $100, how do you want to spend it? Hey, you got $1,000, how do you want to spend it? Um, thinking through different scenarios and talking through different scenarios. And I think being able to have those types of conversations was what we really needed. Um, you know, again, it's been it's eye-opening for us to hear, you know, all right, this young person has $100, how do you want to spend it? You know, one young lady was like, I want to spend it all on food. In seventh grade, I was thinking probably the same way. You know, so it's, it's, it's being able to have that conversation and that dialogue and think through, all right, well, what are they actually going through? What are some of the challenges they're going through? And based on that, what can we teach them about, you know, their relationship to money, their family's relationship to money? Some of these, you know, young people are being raised by their grandparents. How do you think about, you know, hey, I, I do have a little money that I'm making for my job. How do I not only take care of myself and think about the future, but how, how do I also think about, you know, taking care of my family and reaching back and pulling them forward and educating them as I continue to learn these, uh, these lessons. And what can you teach seventh and eighth graders about entrepreneurship? Like, what are they grasping? Yeah, well, that'll be the, the next conversation that we have in January. But I think the conversation is around what is it like to actually build a business? You know, what is it like to have a growth mindset and thinking about, all right, well, you know, this is the society that we live in. How do I build a business? How do I impact the world? Um, how do I build generational wealth? And you can do it through entrepreneurship. So it's thinking through, all right, I have a business idea or I'm a gamer. You know, a lot of kids are gamers right now. How do I take that gaming and turn it in and, and look at that through an entrepreneurial lens? You know, how do I think about I can play this game, but I can also make money or I can play this game and I can also make a game that young people play in the next five to 10 years. So kind of just being able to, to, to tweak the mindset and be able to change the perspective just a tad bit to think about what they do on a daily basis and be able to look at that from a business standpoint and how do you turn what you love or you have a passion for and turn it into a business. And what about the mental health and identity component that you talk to them about? What is your message with Lorenzo Alexander there, Kelvin? Yeah, I think the message there around mental health and Lorenzo is have, you know, he has more, more context there, but it's, it's really around the conversation and the dialogue around what's currently going on in society. Um, you have young ladies and you've heard about the statistics, but the young ladies that have this, this feeling of loneliness due to social media, Snapchat, Instagram, and things of that nature, but being able to have, just real dialogue about that. And then the conversation around identity. And we're gonna talk about you know, mental health and identity, but after we finish talking about identity, there's actually a, a, a art show that's up at Scottsdale, um, Phoenix Art, Scottsdale Art Museum, that's talking about and looking at identity and seeing a person of color that's actually on a wall, because that's something that you don't hear about or see a lot when you go to a museum. So having a conversation around mental health and identity in person, but then being able to take them to a museum so they can actually see themselves or see a, a form of themselves uh, within an institution. Now, I know you're an art collector and that you're going to host your second exhibition with pieces from your collection this summer in Texas. And we're going to go into that. But you mentioned the backgrounds that these children come from and your background. Tell me about your background. What was it, Kelvin? Because I'm curious to know how similar it is to those children that you're talking to today. You know, the thing is, is I, and I actually said this and I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to start preaching, but I'm like, man, I, I grew up with two pair of pants and one pair of shoes. 
Um, I understand what that's like. My my family, you know, my first NFL check was was around nineteen thousand dollars. That was more than what my parents made an entire year. So when you think about the national average of the the, the national poverty line or, or or where many families sit at in that lower middle class, we were right there. Uh, government based programs. My family was on government based programs. We were we were on women's infants and children's, which is a WIC program. So I understand what it's like to be on free and reduced lunch at school because my parents were floating around that poverty line. So in that respect, I can talk to exactly what these young people are going through. You got young kids that got holes in their shoes. I had holes in my shoes growing up. Uh, and even now as a, as a pro ball player, my wife has to throw those shoes away because it's like, I know what that lifestyle was like and I know what I want to make sure my kids understand. So it's one of those things and realizing, Hey, I am blessed. I've, 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 I've played a phenomenal game and get paid quite a bit of money to play that game. But at the same time, I never forget where I come from. My parents don't let me forget where I come from. My siblings don't let me forget from where I come from. My wife doesn't let me forget where I come from. So I want to make sure these young people realize where I come from and I can actually relate to exactly what you're going through. Working while you're in high school, working while you're in college. Even though I went to SMU, a very prestigious you know, university, I still worked. I've worked as an uh, intramural basketball referee. You know, I worked at Pizza Hut Park security uh, as a security guard. You know, I was a security guard for, for the cheer camps that they would have at SMU every year. So even though, you know, you see me where I am right now, when I was in high school and college, I worked and I grinded just like many other people across America. So how did you break out of that? How did you go from having two pairs of shoes and one pair of pants to being the standout longtime NFL player who does as much good as he does now? How does that happen? Yeah, I mean, more than anything, I mean, it's it's, it's the favor of God, first and foremost. Uh, I'm not going to say that I, I have it all figured out, but that's the favor of God, first and foremost. And I had a great opportunity, you know, to get a great education at SMU. Um, and then I had the, the, the blessings of being able to get drafted by a very, very um, talented organization and a franchise that really sold into me early on in my career. You know, I had the opportunity to learn from, you know, people like Brett Kiesel and Max Starks and Willie Colon and James Harrison, Troy Palomalo, Heath Miller. I had a great, great locker room that I got to come into. Ben Roethlisberger, um, that coached by Mike Munchak. I had a phenomenal upbringing when I first got to the National Football League uh, that really set me on this course to where I am right now. So by no means do I say that I figured this out by myself, but I had a lot of great people early on in my career, even going back into college. You know, I had Adrian Clem, who's the current, you know, current offensive line coach at Oregon. Uh, had June Jones, who was an amazing coach, you know, played in the National Football League, coached in the National Football League, brought Hawaii from the from the bowels of, of, of the WAC conference, brought SMU from the, you know, from the death penalty there at SMU. So I had phenomenal around me early on in my life uh, that really sold into me and encouraged me early on in my life uh, and, 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 and gave me a blueprint uh, for what it was like to play in the National Football League, get out of SMU, you know, make sure I graduated while I was at SMU. So I had, I had a, a just a great list of mentors and people who sold into my life um, that really encouraged me and got me to where I am right now. Is there one mentor that stands out above the others? Because you list a long line of people there, Kelvin, that had influence on you. But is there one that really you feel impacted you as much along the way? I would say Adrian Clem. Um, I never had an older brother. I was the oldest of four. Uh, so to have Adrian, um, you know, during my time there at SMU uh, was like having an older brother. Um, spent a lot of time with him, still spend a lot of time with him. Uh, you know, we both went through challenges, you know, in our life. Uh, both have kids, so I've learned a lot from him. He's learned a lot from me. But more than anything, I think I've learned 
uh, everything that I know right now, he told me about and taught me about while I was in college. You talked about being in, in the building early. Clem was big on that when I was at college uh, and taught me, hey, Kelvin, here, it's, it's, it's a lot of people that get an opportunity to play in the National Football League and get a shot at it, but it's not a lot of people that can stay. And he talked and taught me about how do you stay in the National Football League while I was playing in college. And for me, that relationship and that rapport that we have with each other is something that I wouldn't trade for the world. So you talk about somebody that really impacted me, it's Adrian Clem. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. I'm curious. You mentioned you're the oldest of four. Are your other three siblings accomplished like you are? Are they doing good in the world like you are? What are they doing? So is it nature versus nurture? What is the deal there? How are they faring these days? They're doing really well. So my sister, uh, well accomplished, went to um, Arkansas State University, played basketball, um, you know, there at, at uh, Arkansas State, got her master's from University of Arkansas. She's currently working in tech right now, uh, which I love. Um, so you talk about making sure that young people understand things around technology. I got my sister. Well, she got herself in technology. So she's working at a, uh, at a tech company, even though she's been laid off, you know, with all the layoffs that have happened over the last couple of months by two of those tech companies. But she's still finding a way to, to stick it out. Um, I got a brother that's actually working in tech as well, um, has two sons down in my hair. Uh, so gets to, to see, you know, my parents a little bit more than I do, but it's doing really well, but also serving the community, um, you know, coaching football down at down in Mahia, Texas. And then my probably the most accomplished from a sports standpoint. Um, she got the winter state championship, which I didn't get to do while I was in high school, but won a state championship in basketball was probably the best athlete out of all, all of us, to be honest with you. Um, but she's actually coaching basketball at Tarleton State University. Um, no, no, is that right? Tarleton State down in uh Stevenville, Texas. Uh, so coaching basketball, so being able to pour into young women. Um, so in, in some shape, form or fashion, you know, all of us learned this from our parents, but being able to sow into that next generation. So, um, again, you know, I've had just a phenomenal upbringing. Um, you know, even though Mahaya didn't have a lot to offer, our parents did a phenomenal job, you know, nurturing us. We all went and got scholarships, all went to college. Um, three out of the 
are graduated. Two of us have masters. So um, it's, it's been a blessing to be a part of a phenomenal family. Well, there you go. That's that tells you a little bit about nurture right there. You have been the byproduct of nature and nurture and your siblings have been nurtured all along to do all the great things that they have as well. So I'm not surprised to hear that the Beecham's are the upstanding citizens that they are, Kelvin. We, 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 I would say we're dysfunctional, but we find a way to make it function. <laughs> we all are, though, Kelvin, right? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So what is in your future now? With all the things that you already have accomplished, uh, you're a regular volunteer with the United Food Bank in Arizona. You volunteer at food banks and every morning. Like, you do an incredible amount of stuff. What do you want to do when you take off that Cardinal shirt that you're wearing right now? and leave that locker room and not have to be in the football training facility at 5.30 a.m. the way you are today? You know, hopefully I can cook breakfast and, and be able to take my kids to school. Uh, that'll be first and foremost, man. You know, you, you realize that you just don't get to be a, a normal person sometimes when you play this game, which is fine. Um, but it'll be nice to be able to actually take my kids to school, pick them up from school, pop in from, from time to time and, and, and have lunch with my kids. So first and foremost, be a dad. That's the number one thing that I want to be able to do when I take these pass off is be a dad. Um, secondly, you know, start laying, I've started to lay the foundation for what that may look like, you know, after I take some time off, you know, whether that's, you know, spending time in the private markets, you know, working at a venture firm, working at a PE firm, starting my own venture firm, a PE firm. We'll see. Um, but it's, it's for me, it's laying the foundation for what can be. Um, and then I think lastly is just being able to, to, to continue to serve. You know, I, I don't want to stop serving uh, when I'm done playing and I don't plan on stopping. And the things that I've started doing is these are things that I can do well beyond me playing football. It doesn't require me playing football to go and serve at a food bank. It doesn't, you know, require me playing football to go and speak to young kids. It doesn't, you know, require me playing football to understand how important science, technology, engineering, arts and math is. It doesn't take me playing football to realize how important water is, you know, whether it's water here in America and places like Jackson, Mississippi or Flint, Michigan or, or Newark, New Jersey, or, you know, going across the pond and going to, you know, other places, you know, whether it be Africa or South, uh, South America, where they don't have access to water. So these things don't require talent. You know, we talk about, you know, the, <clears throat> the intangibles and things that don't require talent. Those things don't require talent. Those things just require you wanting to be willing to go and be able to serve people. And those are the things that I want to do when I'm done playing football. You know, things that don't require talent, being able to serve, being able to impact the next generation, being able to show young people how important it is to be a part of the global economy, which is continuing to thrive. Hmm. You don't want to be involved in football in any way. Like you could run a team. You could be the commissioner of this sport. You could do a lot of different things, Kelvin. That is true. That is true. But I've always said this, man, I can do a lot. <clears throat> I can do a lot more on the outside than I can do on the inside. Um, and I've, I've been a huge believer of that. You know, many people have said, hey, Kelvin, you should run for executive committee with the NFLPA. And I'm like, man, I can do way more on the outside than I can do on the inside. So I just feel that I'm, I'm more equipped uh, to be more fluid and to bring more people together to be more collaborative on the outside than I am on the inside. See, the football's loss is the outside world's gain. <laughs> that, that's how I view that, Kelvin. Now, with all the good that you've done, you've never ever won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. 
It's not about that, man. It's about the service. Uh, it's been some phenomenal people that have won the Walter Payton Man of Year Award over the last couple of years. You know, Whitworth won it last year, which I'm excited about. Anytime you get an offensive lineman to win anything, uh, especially within this skill-based game that we play, uh, I'm all for it. You know, uh, the community, <clears throat> the NFL community MVP this, this particular week, if I'm not mistaken, is Orlando Brown. Um, it's another offensive lineman winning an award for the work that he's doing in the community. So for me, it's about the work. Um, it's not about, you know, the awards or anything like that, but for me, it's about the work, but it's been some amazing, uh, recipients that award, you know, even with the Cardinals, you've had Kurt Warner and, and Larry Fitzgerald who've done an amazing work, you know, while they were playing and continue to do their work, you know, after they're done. Um, but you know, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about the working, but it's been some amazing guys, uh, in the national football league that have done amazing work. So excited for them. Uh, and if I if I continue to play this game, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm, I'm going to continue to do the work. How much longer do you want to keep playing in this game, Kelvin? Man, as long as the NFL ain't giving me no peace slip. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as the body feels good. You know, the thing is I've been blessed where I've only had, you know, one major, major injury, which is a left knee back in 2015. That's the only thing that bugs me, man, is my, my left knee. Uh, and as long as my, my knee is, is, is okay and, and – can handle the, the the rigors of the game. I still play uh, when I when I can't handle the rigors of the game and I can't perform the way that I like to perform. Then I know I need to move on. Do you feel like your performance has changed in any kind of way through the years? Do you feel like you're performing at the same level, higher, less than where are you at in terms of where you're performing, Kelvin? I think I've gotten better. I think I've gotten better, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think with 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 age and experience, um, you know, I've become a better player. Uh, is the body reacting the same? By no means uh, is it. But I think I've learned how to play with the body and play within the scheme uh, to be able to get the best out of, you know, what I've been given. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is your 11th year. Yeah. Have you seen the people around you, your teammates? Have you seen the people coming into this game change? Are they different today? But out question. The entitlement that you see in, 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 in rookies right now is, is mind-boggling. You know, uh, when you came in, I felt when you came in as a rookie, you, you had nothing to say. You had nothing to offer. You listened. You gleaned from those who have played the game before you. Um, you know, I learned this early on in my career. We stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Um, so you spend time listening and learning from people who are more seasoned, more experienced. Um, you know, you got a three-time defensive player on this roster. You should be spending as much time with, with J.J. Watt as possible. You got – Colt McCoy, who's been around the league for a long time, you should be gleaning from. You got A.J. Green, 
you know, who should be, you know, the Hall of Famer. You should be spending as much time asking as many questions as possible from people like that. And you just don't see that uh, from this younger generation, to be honest with you. Why not? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I think, you know, you, you got guys who are more popular, uh, you know, by the time they come into the league than guys who are in the league, you know, just due to social media and due to the things that, you know, uh, have, have have promoted their careers prior to them being in the National Football League. But it's mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling the, the lack of respect that you see from young players for guys who've played in the National Football League for a long time. It's You know, listen, I covered – I was in a locker room for almost 16 straight years from 1990 through 2005, six, five. And I remember guys – and maybe it was just that I got older, but it feel, felt like – Later in my newspaper career, guys were different in 2004 and five than they were in 1990, 1991. And I guess it's probably true. I don't know whether it was because I get older or whether they changed, but it, see, it feels like they're still changing. And with the, all the external forces, the changes are more severe than ever before. Without question. Without question. I mean, it's just, you know, maybe I'm older. Maybe I'm senile and, you know, I need to get out the locker room. But it's just, it's just, it's just kind of gut-wrenching to watch you know, the, the the lack of respect for people who've played this game for a long time, who've uh, been in a locker room for a long time, who've, you know, you know some I mean, some of the guys in this locker room used to be in, used to have two a days. You know, I, I came in right as two a days were finishing. So, you know, it was a it was a lot different. So it's just it's it's, it's different. You know, and it's just crazy, man, when me and Larry, you know, I, I got to spend some time with him his last year here. And he was like, man, it came to the point when I got, you know, kind of later in my career where I literally just could not relate. Like, could not relate to, you know, what people find themselves doing, you know? So it's just, I'm not to that point where I can't, you know, relate, but I I, I do sense where it's just, it's just different. It's just different. And, and some guy, and there are some rookies and some second year and third year players that get it, that understand what it's like to glean from uh, an older player and, and be an understudy and, you know, want to learn from him and want him to be here. You know, I mean, you had Chandler Jones that was there, one of the, you know, best defensive players in the league for, for a number of years. Like, you know, if I was a young guy under Chandler, man, I would have been literally walking behind him every single day. And I did that as a young player. You know, I had Max Starks. I mean, me and Max still talk. Me and Willie Colon still talk. You know, Adrian Clem, who I mentioned earlier, I still talk to these guys. So it's, it's something about, you know, anytime you get around a, a, an older player, you know, or somebody. I mean, I had had the opportunity to run into – uh, uh, the tackle for Orlando Pace um, when I was at the Super Bowl this past year. Man, just spending time and being in his presence was amazing. I mean, these guys, I mean, I got, I got to watch growing up. I mean, it's something that you can learn from, 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 from those, those types of folks that you can't learn from playing football or watching film. So it's something special about being able to glean from people who've been in the league and played at a very, very high level for a long time. And I know AJ a little bit, and Colt's been around forever, and everybody loves Colt McCoy and respects Colt McCoy. And you've been around this game for a living. For people that don't want to follow you, watch you, learn from you, shame on them. Shame on them, Kelvin. That's all I got to say about that. That's, that's just that's the world we live in today, man. That's that's the new NFL. As as my guy Ramon Foster would say, that's the new NFL. <laughs> <laughs> How are we celebrating Thanksgiving this year? I mean, it's going to be different, honestly. You know, uh, I mentioned, you know, my family, so my, my wife and kids are actually going to Texas for, for Thanksgiving. So I'll be 
home by myself for Thanksgiving. We got a game that weekend. Uh, we got the um, the uh, San Diego, not San Diego, L.A. L.A. Charter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we, but the family be down in uh down in Texas. Um, you know, already starting to plan. I'm probably gonna find a way to go serve somewhere. Um, on Thanksgiving, um, with a couple teammates and just hang out. You know, we got practice that day, but um, it's gonna be different not having my family here on Thanksgiving. So you'll serve. You'll be by yourself. Will you watch football? Or will you not watch football? It depends on who's playing. You know, the only time I watch football, like actually sit down and watch football, is if we're playing a team in the future. Uh, or we, you know, I mean, it's just another time to watch film. Honestly, I just get to watch film from the from from my couch, from my feet up, instead of you know on an iPad and a hot tub or something. So. You know, um, it'd be I don't know who's playing on Thanksgiving, but if we if we have to play them before the year is up, I actually yeah. think the Patriots are playing, right? I think they are. OK, on Thanksgiving Day, here's the Thanksgiving menu, Kelvin. We've got Buffalo at Detroit at twelve thirty Eastern. We've got the Giants at Dallas. That's going to be a ratings monster at four thirty Eastern. And we have New England at Minnesota at eight twenty Eastern. So we play New England after that. So I actually be watching that game. Okay, so there you go. So reason to tune in. So you're going to boost NBC's ratings on Thanksgiving <laughs> night, right? Yes, I'll, I'll be tuning into that game because we play them the following week. So uh, I'll be tuning into that game. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for all your service. I hope as we tape this, I'll get the chance to say hello to you in person in Mexico City on Monday night. Please come over to the ESPN set if you get a moment because Larry's going to be over there anyway. I'm gonna be messing with them. Don't 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 let them know that. But I I I got some for them. Oh, can I be a part of that, please? Well, I just need you to keep him busy. Um, make sure he's talking. So when I do happen to you know come up behind him, you know, we got we got I got some for him. I just need I just need to make sure that he's talking and that he's 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 adamant and you know he's he's into it and he doesn't see it coming or don't hear about it coming. We make sure we set it up. I make sure we, we, we set it up for him real good. He's gotten a lot of people, uh, you know, while he while he was playing. So I think it's time he gets got. So I got some for him. If I can be of any assistance there, Kelvin, please just let me know. I will do my best to distract him. But if there's anything else you need, I am all down for a good practical joke. Hey, I just need him distracted. That's all I need. That's all. <laughs> we got you. You got me here today. I got you there. Kelvin. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Appreciate your time today. Yes, sir. Anytime. Have a good one now. Thank you, Kelvin. And sure enough, Kelvin Beecham did come over to the set on Monday Night Countdown. And when he came over, Larry Fitzgerald was on the field doing a different segment. So he never got to pull the prank that he did, though I know the two individuals who are close did get the chance to visit and speak. Kelvin Beecham, an impressive guy. And as we walked into Estadio Azteca on Monday night in Mexico City, came back to me that I've actually gone to that stadium now and that city now on a handful of occasions starting back in 1998. And here's a story that I haven't shared before, but I'm willing to share now. Back then, we were in Mexico City for a Broncos preseason game on a Monday night, I believe. I think they were playing the Miami Dolphins, August 1998. And I remember going to an NFL function that night where they had Dan Marino there and John Elway there and many of the players there. And afterwards, the Broncos, I was working at the time for the Denver Post. We went headed back to our hotel in Mexico City. I'd have to check my journal to see the name of the hotel that would be listed in there. 
But when we got back, a group of us, players, coaches, me, went to the cantina across the street from the hotel. And when we walked in, the owner of the cantina was so wowed and so impressed that John Elway was in the cantina that literally he turned over his bar to the Broncos players and coaches. We had coaches and players who shall remain unidentified behind the bar, making tequila poppers, serving drinks to our party. It was probably 25 of us from either the Broncos or the media. I think I was the lone member of the media serving drinks out all night, closing down that bar, maybe two, three, four in the morning, stumbling out and back to the hotel. This was in my much younger days. So if it was 1998, that would have been 24 years ago. That would have made me 32. Right. That would make sense. And so we were at this cantina all night. And the next night in the game, John Elway's playing and ruptures his biceps tendon. Now, I felt like we just stumbled out of the bar when hours later, he's got this ruptured biceps tendon that's jeopardized his season, jeopardized his career. It was the lead story on all the Denver newscasts. They're having doctors assess whether John Elway will ever be able to play again, how much time he'll be out. Well, it turned out, if memory serves me, John missed about two weeks of that summer came back, played the regular season. The Denver Broncos went on to win the Super Bowl. It was his last season, as it turned out. He walked away after the year. And I always will remember the night at the cantina across the street from our hotel in Mexico City before we went over to Estadio Azteca, the place I was Monday night. That was what I thought of when I walked in to that huge cavernous stadium on Monday night. That me and Mexico City have a little bit of a history here. That I've been coming to this city now for almost 25 years. And it was a fun past. There are pictures in my album, right to my right, to document that night. Wild pictures of coaches, players, doing all sorts of shots and drinks. A great night. And we say thank you to the fine folks of Mexico City for their hospitality. Monday night and over the last 25 years. All right, we want to thank the Cardinals offensive tackle, Kelvin Beecham, for his time today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. In this Thanksgiving week, I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving to you and your families. We'll be back in this spot next week. Until then, be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.